Happy Sabbath, everyone. Good morning. I think you guys can do better than that. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Happy Sabbath. I'd like to take a moment. Welcome. And I want to take a moment to welcome our online community. We're glad that you are here. Thank you for joining us online. You guys can still come to in-person services, and we encourage you to do so if you would like. There's several people in here, but, you know, I'd love to see more. Just to let you guys know, we have a couple weeks left in our Steps to Christ Bible study. We have two more nights. So this coming Friday night and then the week after will be our very last one. So if you haven't come to any one, that's okay. You can still come and get something out of it. So if you want to come, we hope you do. We also want to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, church, for being so generous. We really appreciate um, your consistency and your faithfulness. And we are thankful that you guys are a part of our church community. I'm excited you're here, and I'm excited to worship with you. So let's get ready to worship. Go ahead and stand as we worship today. Good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? We're going to open up with uh, new wine. Come join me.
Church. Good morning, Church Online. Great to see you guys. Let's have a word of prayer together. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we thank you for gathering us here, Lord, with all the craziness. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this opportunity to just kind of slow down the RPMs of our minds and concentrate on who you are what you mean in our lives. We pray today, Lord, that as we continue studying the life of Moses and your deliverance of your amazing, uh, wonderful way that you delivered God, your people, I pray, Father, that we would be inspired to participate in that deliverance. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, just wondering here, if anybody uh, has ever had something that they've held on to for a long time, uh, and they didn't want to let go of it. Uh, for example, my daughter, when she was little, she had a little teddy bear she would call Angel Bear. And Angel Bear went through all kinds of stuff as the days and months and years went on until Angel Bear was pretty much kind of raggedy and hardly recognizable, you know? And Nancy and I were trying to figure out a way to slowly uh, kidnap Angel Bear uh, in a way that it, Brianna wouldn't notice it, but I tell you what, it was so hard. She, she would take that everywhere with her. That was her, her favorite bear, and it was so hard for her to let go of it. And there was another time uh, she had, a, she had a, a special blanket. Anybody ever had a special blanket when you were a kid? She had a, <laughs> you can raise your hand a little higher, Joan. That's right, yeah, that's, yeah, come on, you know. Uh, it was a silky blanket. She called it silky. And, and boy, that thing went for a long time. And 
It was a very soft blanket, but she could not let go of it. I know that uh, I had a pillow. That was my favorite pillow. Anybody here have like a favorite pillow? And that pillow got to the point where it was just disgusting. And I tried to wash it, and, and it just got worse and worse and worse, but I would not let go of it until Nancy forced me to get rid of the pillow. <laughs> Some of you may have a favorite chair that you just, you know, it's, it's got holes in it, and it's, it's all, but it's just so comfortable, and you can't get rid of it. You, you don't want to let go. I don't know if you guys remember a long time ago, there was this commercial called Let Go of My Ego. Remember that? Let Go of My Ego, and everybody's going for the ego, and you, the whole idea was it's hard to let go of the ego. I want to talk to you about somebody that could not let go of his ego. I want to talk to you about letting go. Letting go of whatever it is that causes you to not let go of what you should let go. We struggle with letting things go. I want to talk to you about a guy by the name of Pharaoh who was addicted to power, to authority, and he struggled to let go of that power and authority when he was confronted by the God of Israel. So Moses and Aaron finally agreed to to do what uh, God had asked them to do. We heard about it last week from Pastor Larissa. And they were, they, it wasn't easy. You know, at first, Moses is like, you know, here I am, send Aaron, you know, and Aaron now is like, okay, well, I don't know what to do. Let's make that happen, you know. And, and so the next thing you know, they finally get together, and it's like, it was like a, a let's roll moment. It's time, it's time to make it happen. Let's roll. Let's, let's do this. God is inspiring us. This is the one life I get. Have you, ever, have you ever said that to yourself? This is like the one life I get. What am I going to do with this life? What will I do with this life in such a way that will last throughout eternity? As opposed to the humdrum stuff that we always do, that we have to do. But what is the one thing we're going to do that only we can do? And Moses and Aaron had this mission. This is no longer the pregame warm-up. Now it is the game. The clock is ticking I've asked myself many times in many situations when calls have changed and, and things have happened and I've said to me, okay, what life am I waiting for? Maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the day that I make that decision to go in all the way. So I want to start with Exodus chapter 5. You can turn with me in your Bibles. It'll also be on the screen. I'm going to read it out loud. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 says this, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. I mean, can you imagine how much courage it took for them to finally take these steps, to go before not only the king of Egypt, but pretty much the king of of all of, of, of the most popular nation in the world at that time. This is one of the most powerful people. And they go before him, And it says, and this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. We're not saying this. Who's saying this? God is saying this. He says, let my people go. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. 
Just let them go so that they can come and worship me in the wilderness. I love, I don't want to miss this. He says, let my people go. I love the way God identifies with his people. I love the way God identifies with us. I love the way God identifies with you, with me. We are his people. And the day comes every day that God says to Satan, let my people go. Let Sergio go. Let Terry go. Let Kathy go. Let John go. Let Kay go. Let Sean go. Let my people go. I love that they were his people, and some of those people had not ever, ever talked, hadn't talked to God in, in years. Let my people go. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us. And we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Later on, Jesus says it this way in John chapter 10 verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Do you get this sense of God wanting to, 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 to hold us close, to say, these are my people. I, this is the apple of my eye. These, these are the people that I love. I'm going to protect and I'm going to guide. I have heard their pleas. I'm asking you to let my people go. And Exodus chapter 5, verse 2, Pharaoh says, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. That's obvious. And I will not let Israel go. This is the arrogance of all mankind without God. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? Let me tell you who he is. He is the faithful witness. He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the ruler of all kings on the earth, including you, Pharaoh. He is the almighty God who sits on the brilliant throne of gemstones and rainbows. That's who the Lord is. He is the only worthy lamb who was slain from the foundations of the world. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. He is God. He is perfectly holy and he is just. And he is, he was, and always will be. He is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. He is the great I am, the eternal, the true and living God. And he is here and is here to meet you, Pharaoh. That's who is saying, let my people go. Well, Exodus chapter 5, verse 3 to 9, goes like this. Then they said, the God of Hebrew has met with us, this God, this ruler of the universe. Yes, he has met with us. Now, all we're asking is that you get a three-day journey, three days into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with sword. Three days. That's all they were asking at the beginning. Just give us three days. But the king of Egypt says, Moses and Aaron, why are you talking, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work 
And then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave his, this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Do not reduce the quota. They want to mess with me, Pharaoh says. All right, let them mess with me. They are lazy, and this is what they are crying out. This is why they are crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to the lies. It's fake news. It's all lies. That's all it is. Just lies. I don't know if you've ever had to work for a boss that you didn't like too much. Or a boss that you feared. Or a boss that if you didn't do it her way, or his way, you knew you were out. One of my favorite quotes about leadership, and you know I love leadership, is from Lao Tzu. And if you ever want to get into leadership, this, is a, this would be a great verse to read. You see, great leaders never lead by fear. One of the things I love to say is that great leaders never lead by position. They lead by permission. My goal is not to say, hey, I'm the pastor. Do what I say. My goal is to get to know you and love you, add value to you, and hopefully gain the permission to influence your life. That is the way leadership should be. Not according to Pharaoh, of course. And Lao Tzu says it this way. To lead people, walk Beside them. You know, I could spend 30 minutes just on that one line. Walk beside them. Not walk ahead of them and pull them. Not walk behind them and push them. Walk beside them. Isn't that beautiful? As for the best leaders, the people do not notice their existence. I love that. I love that. The next best... The people honor and praise. The next, the people fear, and the next, the people hate. So the worst kind of leader is the one you hate. The second worst is the one that you fear. It's actually the leader that you don't even realize he or she is behind the scenes helping you, influencing you, gathering you, your strength, encouraging you, so that you could say at the end, you know, we did it ourselves. And so the oppression intensifies, and the Egyptian slave drivers beat the Israelite overseers and make the life of these people more and more miserable to the point where in Exodus chapter 5, 19 through 21, and this is where the complaining begins, and you will see this wonderful attitude of complaining come out many, many times. I think this is where it started with the church. Here it is. The Israelite overseers realized that they were in trouble 
when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of, of you for each day. And when they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hands to kill us. A little while ago, if you remember, they had agreed for Moses and Aaron to lead them out of there and to do this. Now they were all excited about the idea of being free. Now they're like, wait, wait, hold on. This is not helping. Now we're, now we're obnoxious to Pharaoh. Now, now, they, now he hates us. I'm done. Let's quit. You know, I read this and I thought to myself, what is my quitting point? How long does it take for you, for me, to get discouraged? I mean, this just started. I mean, did they really think there would be no resistance <laughs> from Pharaoh? Did they really think Pharaoh would say, oh, sure, go ahead. You can all just go. I mean, what does it take? How soon do I give up on God when my prayers are not answered? How much resistance or conflict does it take for you to relinquish your dreams and abandon your pursuit or pursual of deliverance and freedom. And Pharaoh is a type of Satan, and Moses is a type of Jesus. Are you, are you getting this? Are you following this? So in Exodus chapter 5, Verses 22 to 23, Moses now, right, returns to God. And remember, if you remember, Moses is very shy. Moses is an introvert. Moses is not really interested in doing this work, but he wants to obey God. So Moses returns to the Lord and says, Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Like, like it was God's fault. Is this why you sent me? Like, did, really, did Moses really think it was going to be that easy? I mean, what is it about us? You know, uh, I've prayed, but nothing happens. That's it, I give up. Hello. I've tried this, I've pursued this, and I've run into some problems and, and some closed doors, so I guess it's not meant to be. Hello. Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Have you ever, have you ever prayed this prayer? God, why? Come on. Am I the only one that's ever prayed, God, why are you doing this to me? Like, why is this happening, Lord? Why? So God patiently, I love God's patience here, repeats his promise to Moses and reemphasizes who he is. Don't forget, I am the great. I am. I got your back. I am bigger than the obvious. I am more powerful than the predictable. And I love to give impossibility an inferiority complex. So just stay on track here. 
his providence of deliverance, his protection, his commitment, his people, his mission. And God never gives us something that he doesn't, that he doesn't, um, that he doesn't enable us to do and, and give us power to make it happen. God never gives us something that, 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 that's not, he's never going to give us a mission that's never going to work, that's going to fail. Never. In fact, even when he sent Jonah, do you remember the story of Jonah? He sends him to Nineveh, and he's like, repent or you will die, and they repent. And Jonah's like, what? what? No. Right? Well, God's like, well, they repented. I mean, that was the whole point. So Exodus chapter 6, 9 through 12, it says, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of the discouragement and harsh labor. And the Lord said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of this country. But Moses said to the Lord, if the Israelites would not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me? <laughs> Since I speak with faltering lips. See, I'm just not a good speaker. I'm not a good communicator. Why would anybody listen to me? I mean, that, see, this is what I was trying to tell you at, uh, at the bush, God. I, you know, like, see, I, I was right. I told you it wouldn't work. I know these people. These are my people. They're stubborn. Right? They're indecisive. I cannot tell you how many times I've prayed this prayer. When things go wrong in the church. I'm like, see God, I don't know, why did you put me in charge? And obviously I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, this person thinks this, this person thinks that. I can't put them all together. I can't make this work. But God keeps telling Moses, just stick to the plan. Stick to what I'm asking you to do. So in Exodus chapter 7, Verses 1 through 7 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. And your brother Aaron will be your prophet. Because that's all that Pharaoh understands. Listen carefully now. It says, You are to say everything I command you. And your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of this country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Time out. How many of you have read this quote? I've read about the fact that, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart and felt like, well, that's just not fair. Right? Have you ever, read, have you ever felt this way? Again, am I the only one? Does this make sense? I mean, yeah, I'm just, you know. But of course, and, and it's true, God did harden Pharaoh's heart, but not because God was trying to make Pharaoh uh, be rebellious. No, no, no. You see, God is like the sun. He shines on everyone the same way. If your heart is like that of a candle or wax, you will melt. If your heart is like that of clay, guess what's going to happen? You will harden. It's the same sun. It's the same warmth. 
It's the same God, it's your heart that matters. And God knew Pharaoh's heart was like that of clay. And he says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. That's what's going to happen. Because his heart is like the heart of clay. Does that make sense to you? It's not like God didn't like Pharaoh or said, you know, okay, he's doomed already. That's too bad. No. It's just that Pharaoh didn't like Pharaoh. Pharaoh had deep insecurities. Deep challenges. And he became more and more arrogant rather than humble. And then in verse 4 he says, He will not listen to you. And then I will lay my hand on Egypt and with mighty acts of judgment I will bring out my divisions, my people, the, my, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. And Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. And Moses, check this out, those of you who are a little older, was 80 years old. And Aaron, 83, when they spoke to Pharaoh. In other words, their spiritual vitality adventure started in their 80s. I'm not asking you to wait till then. But if you are already that age and you feel like you haven't gotten to where you should be, you, can, you got plenty of time left. You got plenty to make a difference in this world. Plenty to do for God's kingdom. Nobody is too young. No one is too old to impact the kingdom of God to do what God is asking us to do. And all that he gives us to do, he will enable us to do. All these biddings are enabling. And so, I will not go through all of this because this will take a long, long time. But suddenly the plagues come. And so we'll, we'll put the plagues up here for a moment. I want to share with you some things about these plagues that are so interesting. The first plague was the water to blood. And, and it's as if God was challenging the Egyptian god Hapi, who was the god of the Nile, and the Nile turns into blood. The second was the frogs, as if God was challenging the goddess Hicht, who was the frog uh, god. And then there was the dust and gnats and the fly infestation. And I think he was challenging the god Kefir of the Egyptians, God of flying insects. They had gods of all kinds of stuff. And then the diseased livestock. So he challenges the god Apis. And then there were the ashes to boils and, 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 and the god of medicine who couldn't, they couldn't heal these was Himotep. And then, and then uh, the hail and lightning. And goddess, I know you want to say nut, but it's newt. <laughs> goddess of weather. And then the lotus and the crops. And that was the god Seth, the god of agriculture. And then darkness. And that was the god Horus, the sun god. These, these were all the gods that the Egyptians had. Every one of these plagues matched one of their gods. As if God was saying, you, you don't understand. I am the real god. All your gods are made up gods. All your gods don't exist. I am who I am and will always be. 
And then finally, the death of the firstborn. They had a god named Bess, who was the protector of children. Now, this is the way it went. Let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. Enter the plagues. Let my people go. Pharaoh says, why not sacrifice within the land? More plagues. Let my people go. Pharaoh says, well, okay, you can go, but don't go far. More plagues. Let my people go. Pharaoh says, go, but leave part of the families here. More plagues. Let my people go. Go, but leave your possessions. Now, you don't understand. Let my people go. There is no halfway. There is no part. When you are asking God to liberate you from Satan, this is not a part-time thing. This is not just a little bit or just... No, there is no, no negotiating with the pharaohs of the world. There is no negotiating with Satan. Let my people go, says God. I am committed to fully, totally be on your side, no matter what. Not, I'm not holding anything back. I'm giving you everything. You are in charge of my life. Let my people go. And so the night comes. We as believers know it as the Passover night. They had to do some special stuff with, with the bread not rising. And they had to eat a lamb in a special way and, and kill the lamb in a special way. They had to consecrate the firstborn. And then they had to take the blood of that lamb. And they had to take that blood. All right? Like real blood, okay? This is not ketchup, all right? This is real blood. They had to take that blood and they had to put it on the doorpost of their homes. Because they knew that the angel of death would come. And if the blood was not on the doorpost, they would not be saved. Listen, if you haven't gotten it yet, there is only one way to be saved. And that is by the blood of Jesus, period. You're not going to be saved by anything else but by having the blood cover you, your home, your children. Cover by the blood of the Lamb. I can imagine that night, the eldest son tossing and turning. He's already got his jeans and sweatshirt on and sneakers ready to go because that's the way they were supposed to be, ready to move. Hey, hey Dad, just want to make sure. Did, did you do it? Yes, son. The blood is on the doorpost. You know, they were actually Egyptians that actually did it too? Isn't that amazing? You never know whom you will suck into obedience by the wind shear of your obedience. You'll never know whom, whom, who will follow you. when you, you don't even realize that they would. It's unbelievable. I could just tell you stories right now, but I better not, because some may be listening. 
now that we're online, you know how it is. I don't want to embarrass anybody. And so the angel of death comes by that night, and there was terror in all of Egypt. There's wailing as never heard before. The next morning is just one of the saddest moments in all of the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron one more time say, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, just go. All of you, just get out of here. Take everything you have. And if you could bless me, that would be great. Just go. As if he had enough, right? I, I concede. That's it. I'm done. Your God wins. In Exodus chapter 12, let's jump there. Beginning with verse 13. It says, During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Leave up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go. And also bless me. But next week when we study, you're going to find that Pharaoh really still could not let go. Have you ever encountered people like that? He could not accept defeat. In fact, he actually has a meeting with his, his people, and he says, what have we done? What? We've just lost all our labor. And he's going to build the pyramids. He's going to build everything we want. What are we, what are we crazy? See, it takes a noble character to make the right cho choices, to let go when the wrong choices are more convenient. It takes courage to make the right choices to let go when the wrong choices make you more popular. It takes humility to make the right choices to let go when the wrong choices are more prosperous. And it takes integrity to make the right choices to let go when the wrong choices are more desired. And we've been talking a lot about Pharaoh, we've been talking about Satan, we've been talking about God asking, let my people go. But I'm wondering if maybe there are some things in your life that you need to let go. I've thought about that in my own life. And maybe some of you, maybe it's time for you to let go of someone. Or maybe you have to let go of something. Maybe you need to let go of pride. Maybe you need to let go of resentment. Maybe some of you need to let go of some debilitating habit. Maybe some of you need to let go of your past. Let it go. I know, some of you are thinking of this Frozen song, right? One of the most... Uh, those songs that just stick in your head, right? Let it go, let it go. If you have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, I'm... 
As we get older, we lay hold on things and we seem hard-pressed to let go. If you think about the history of, of, of the human hands, when we're children, we, ha- we hold on to a finger, you know, daddy's finger or mommy's finger or a little router, you know, we just like, we just don't want. And a little older, we, 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 we hold on to the handlebars, you know, of the bicycle. A little older, we hold on to the steering wheel. A little older, we, we hold on to our sweetheart. A little later, we hold on to that diploma. And then some of us, a little later, we hold on to the rungs of that ladder of success as we climb higher and higher. And maybe one day in retirement, some of us hold on to golf clubs. And in retirement, in our old age comes, and some of us are holding on to a cane. I have visited dying men in hospitals gripping tightly the bed bars as if they didn't want to let go until their last breath and then finally they let go. What are you holding on to? What do you need to let go? The God of Moses is here to help us let go. Do you believe that? As he is liberating us He is asking not only Satan to let us go, but for us to let go. For the Israelites to let go of Egypt. You'll find that out a little later as they keep wanting to go back. Well, we should have gone back. Go to him. And I guarantee you he will make a way for you to do that. Even when you don't see it, He is working. Even when we don't feel it, he is working behind the scenes. He never stops working. Did you know this about God? On our behalf, constantly, always, as we're going to sing in a moment, he is the way maker, the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. He is the light in our darkness. He is our God. That that is who he is. And he is here right now saying, I am with you. Let go of whatever it is that you're gripping and hold on to me. Amen? Let's sing this song together. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Sergio, for that good word. Everybody, please stand for, for our last song here.
working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you.
Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Cause you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that's who you are. That is who you are. Pray with me, church. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for loving us so much that you will do anything to protect us, to liberate us, to guide us out of our own Egypt. Help us, Lord, to let go. And Lord, I pray that one day we would experience the freedom that you want us to experience. I pray, Father, that every one of us in this room would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have given us eternal life and that we are already bound for the promised land. Lord, give us this exodus moment right now. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, thank you so much for coming and being here. Hey, just want you to know February 20th, we have a baptism, yes, a baptism live in person here. I'm so excited about that. On February 20th, we're going to be doing that. Brian, thank you so much for leading us in worship, and I look forward to seeing you guys come back. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sabbath. God bless you.